0: eligible items only exclusions apply see ebaymotors.com all right welcome in cube show podcast a college football podcast that we bring to you each and every sunday usually it is a game review and we just regurgitate what we've seen from the film now we're going to preview the national championship game. Next week we will review the national championship game. We're always brought to you by our friends at Wickles Pickles. Wickedly delicious, where you can get a jar of pickles as big as your head, like I have here. Go get that O Susanna at uh Soho Social in Homewood, downtown Homewood, if you want. Chicken sandwich, they've got the Wickles pickles on it. I get it with no pimento cheese because that's just kind of a lot. Uh, but wickle pickles available in your local grocery store, uh, wickedly delicious. They are incredible. I'll eat them out of the jar. Love having them with sandwiches, burgers, whatever else that is. And you will love them too. All right, let's get into it. Before we do go Georgia and TCU in the national championship game, you guys know I was out of the Fiesta Bowl, so I have a little bit of a different feel on TCU than I would have normally probably previewing this game. I wanted to go through a couple of other things quickly that have just kind of happened around the sec, some portals, some coaching news. Um, Auburn's had a pretty good week in the portal. Uh, they get commitments from uh, Messiah Nasil kite defensive lineman out of Maryland, uh, Lawrence Johnson, defensive lineman out of Purdue, but the offensive line is where Auburn seems to really be working. Um, Dylan Wade, offensive tackle out of Tulsa. He was a while back, but it, he is a player, uh, a guy who I've spent a little bit more time studying, gone back and looking at. I think he's a plug and play guy right now. I think he'll be at left and I think he'll be the guy there. Uh, Gunnar Britton's a guy that a lot of the Auburn folks, that a lot of folks cover Auburn are going nuts about this week listen it's a good get up I think right now if Auburn gets an offensive lineman period it's a good get up because they need to be upgraded so vastly at that position across the board specifically at tackle Gunners played a lot of football for Western Kentucky however uh, his film against Auburn actually was not great last year lucky for him he's not gonna have to block Derek Hall um He's a bit of a leaner, so he gets out over his toes. He overextends a little bit at times. Uh, Doesn't play very heavy, but he's super athletic. He's got good lateral quickness and movement. He can change directions. He's got a great frame. I think he could carry about another five to 12 pounds on that frame and still be effective at tackle. But he's a guy that understands the position that Auburn gets in. Jake Thornton will have a chance to coach him up a little bit and it'll probably be an upgrade of what they were going to have. Um, so you got, you know, we know they're bringing the number one Juco tackle in the country as well. And a couple of high school kids that might have a chance to come in and compete. So Hugh freeze and his staff doing a great job just addressing that position. So it's been a pretty good week for him there. Uh, keep an eye on Spencer Sanders, Oklahoma state quarterback, obviously, um, uh, Bryson Green, wide receiver from Oak State, was in Auburn this weekend. Uh, Those two kind of want to stick together. And uh, I think Auburn's got a good shot there. So just kind of keep your eye on that one. Uh, Some other portal stuff. Uh, South Carolina continues to take hits in the portal. Jordan Birch goes to the portal. And this kind of goes with the Gunner Britton thing that I was talking about. First, South Carolina, this roster is going to be very different. Uh, Shane Beamer overextended last year, had a great year, did an awesome job. He gets a contract extension. But Jovan Gwynn's going to the NFL. Jaheen Bell's going to be gone. Marshawn Lloyd, running back, just committed to Southern Cal. So one USC to the other. Gilbert Edmonds in the portal. So it'll be a really different roster. But they have built it through guys that came in. I mean, look at Juice Wells at a JMU. Nobody expected what he did last year. Uh, and I think they have a good nucleus of guys returning, and they'll still be, depending on what's going to happen with quarterback, we'll wait and see on that. Um, but a lot of people, when this Jordan Birch hit news news hit, just completely went bananas and immediately just thought, oh, well, you know, this is insane. This is, you know, five-star recruit, whatever, this and that. And I understand it. I get it. He's got talent. Uh, I don't think he's a true edge defender. I think he needs to be playing inside. That's that's my opinion, not his. Uh, he had, you know, he had three and a half sacks this year. I think he had one sack in 21. Um, yeah, he had one sack in 21. I don't think he had a sack in 20. So he had two and a half tackles for loss in twenty. So you're talking about a guy that's around 15 tackles for loss and, you know, five sacks in his career. And I mean, the internet's on fire with Jordan Birch going in, like, guys, this isn't Ndamukong Suh or, or Jonathan Allen or Quinnen Williams. Like It's not Warren Sapp or Booger McFarland. So it's one thing that's kind of starting to bother me about the portal is I think we got to take a step back. Now, there have been guys that have been incredible. Um, you look at Tyler Steen at Alabama this year, like what would they have been without him? I mean, that guy locked down the left tackle position, something they needed, had to have, and did a pretty good job all year. Uh, I mentioned just Juice Wells in South Carolina had had a great year, but I think we need to start taking a little bit of a step back on guys who just go in the portal and we we immediately, ooh, and ah, and oh my God, and this kid's going to be incredible, and wow, he's a program changer. And just because somebody was rated a certain way coming out of high school doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be that somewhere else. Could they figure it out? Yeah, sure, might, but we go bananas. over. I, I think we raise the level of player two or three notches just because they hit the portal. And I don't think it should be that way. First off, guys in probably in the portal for a reason. Not everybody, but a lot are in the portal for a reason. Could he go get better coaching somewhere else? Oregon's a potential. Uh, you know, T. Robs at Alabama, Muschamp's at Georgia. We'll see. But you know, I think sometimes we have to look at production and we have to look at overall fit and just what's already happened before we just go bananas at some guys in the portal and he's going to go change another program. I, I mean, I'm seeing this day after day after day of either. The guy has a certain amount of starts somewhere in the lower level, or he was rated a certain way coming out of high school. And now all of a sudden he's God's gift of football because he put his name in the portal. We, we've got to calm down just a little bit on that. Some coaching news. Kendall Brown's coming back to be the OC at Arkansas next year. Great gift for Sam Pittman. I like it. batting Travis Williams, Travis, a great recruiter, a great human. His kids will play hard for him. I'll say that about Travis Williams. His kids will play hard. Um, and then keeping Kendall Browns, who I think is one of the best play callers in all of college football. Uh, I think Kendall's incredible. He and KJ Jefferson will be back. The continuity, the field, they know one another. I think that'll be great. Uh Mississippi State goes out and gets Will Friend. Now, this is a little bit odd because if you were going to stay air raid, you would probably stay with Mason Miller, the offensive line coach you had there, who my understanding is a lot of folks thought Mason was going to stick around. Maybe Will does go somewhere else, tight ends or whatever. I don't, I don't know. But you do start to get the feel that maybe Zach Arnett's is going to go away from the air raid when you're bringing in an offensive line coach who's not necessarily been an air raid guy. Uh, what's that going to do to the receivers, to Will Rogers? I don't know. We'll wait and see. We'll obviously have time to hit that uh, down the road. Uh, Bobby Petrino coming into Texas A&M as the offensive coordinator. Bobby's a great play caller. Uh, there, there's no way around that you can say what you want to about past discretions about personality guy can call plays. And I think those two offenses are close enough to where Jimbo might not feel like I have to have full control of this to make sure it's run the way that I want. And I do think Bobby can bring some newer age, passing concepts that could help. I thought he would go a little bit younger with motions, formations, you know, different personnel groupings and trying to add that to what he did and make it work. But this is one that could work, could be exciting, but I'll be interested to see how it's managed and how it's handled because now just the, the personalities in that building are interesting, no matter what, no matter how you spin it. So, all right, let's move into the college football playoff national championship game. I was in Arizona for the Fiesta bowl, Um, I was blown away with TCU. I thought Michigan would run right through this defense. Uh, I thought the Joe Moore award-winning offensive line would have their way. And talking to some folks before the game, the plan kind of seemed to be that it would be a lot of inside zone. It would be a lot of duo, and it would be a lot of bigger personnel packages. They have a Rhino and a Mammoth package with an extra offensive lineman, and two extra offensive linemen. I got the feel that that was the desired plan going in and we didn't see it and you know we heard johnny hodges after the game say he knew when they went philly special like we had them which why wouldn't you it's a team that can pound it between the tackles and they're already not doing that i didn't love the plan from michigan i don't know how it happened i don't know where it went wrong i don't know what caused them to feel like they needed to go the directions that they were maybe it was some identification or you know issues early on maybe it was a feel that uh, they weren't going to have a good grasp of their assignments early on with the way that front was playing. I'm not really sure, but i i was I was surprised with the size of the TCU offensive line. I was surprised with how the defensive line held up, specifically dominant Williams at nose. I mean, that kid, whoo, uh, he's got a little little frogger stance. He gets down in and he can he can two gap. He can play the nose straight up. He's a handful. And now George is going to be a little bit bigger and batter because they're a little bit more physical than Michigan. They pack a little bit more of a punch, but that's one of the big matchups to watch. He and Cedric Van prom because Van prom obviously can handle himself, knows what he's doing and knows how to take care of things at the center position. Um, D. Winters could not believe how fast he was uh, slashing through the line of scrimmage, making plays on the perimeter. Uh, Jamoy Hodge couldn't believe how big he was at inside linebacker, and he is an absolute missile. Uh, you will see six getting downhill for that TCU defense from a linebacker spot about six or seven yards deep, and he just tees off on offensive linemen. He has no regard for where the football is sometimes. He just wants to make offensive linemen pay for attempting to either climb to the second level, not climbing fast enough, or pulling to try to get out to the perimeter watch six on defense for TCU. He will blow somebody up in this game. He does it week in, week out Dylan Horton, probably their best pass rusher, but the way they move this front and the way they add and subtract different places, it's confusing and it causes problems. And I think number one, if you're Georgia, you have to establish the fact that you're going to go at this defense early on, force them to be different. Joe Gillespie, uh, Stephenville, Texas, re- representing here over the weekend. Uh, Jared Stidham got his second start in his NFL career. Now, is going to be in the National Championship game as the D coordinator for TCU. Gillespie was Stidham's high school coach at Stephenville High School. So, that little part of the country getting some good rep and uh, some good notoriety. But, I asked Gillespie before the game. I said, surely you have to have a bigger body you're going to bring down. You have to have an extra big body that you can add in. He kind of laughed, and he's like, no, man, we are who we are. Not going to be any different. We're going to play it the way we've always played it. And he said, and also – I." If I had the extra big body to add, maybe I'd think about it. We we're not really built that way. We don't really have that. So, And they didn't do it, and they found success. Now, Michigan found some things through the air. They hit some plays down the field. And I'll tell you, TCU is going to play man coverage because they will end up in cover zero a lot, which is man across the board, no deep safety, no safety help. It's going to happen. They're going to do it. And so Stetson, Bennett, and Georgia will have their opportunities to take advantage of that, but... I think if you come out, establish the run early, go right at this defense, have success doing that, then you force them to play different in other areas, which gives you even more matchup issues down the field for Stetson, Bennett, and company to be able to take advantage of. So you go back and you look at Georgia's plan the last three weeks. I've got this written down. 11 of 14 pass to open the game against Ohio State. 8 of 12 passing to open the game against LSU. And 10 of 13 passes to open up against Georgia tech. They've been pass heavy out of the gate. Munkin's great, though, at changing who he is through the course of a game. You saw it against Ohio State. They open up and gun the first 12 plays. They're pitching it around. Next thing you know, you get Ohio State a little bit loose, playing a little bit soft, a little bit off, a lighter box, and what happens? You line up and run duo and run inside zone. You get some big hitters that way. Um, I just think it might be more beneficial to go at this defense a little bit early, one, to prove you can do it, and two, to potentially force them to be a little bit heavier if they can be or if they want to try to be at least at the line of scrimmage. Image, and that gives you even more advantages down the field to try to create explosive plays. So when you look at this defense, Johnny Hodges, fifty-seven, amazing story for TCU. He was a guy who was all met. I didn't know what all met was before I do my prep before that game, but apparently, like DC, Maryland, Vir- Virginia, it's like all all of that. But he was all all of that in football, lacrosse, and basketball. He goes to the Navy on a lacrosse scholarship. Lacrosse gets canceled because of COVID. He walks on the football team. His two best games are against Tulsa and SMU. Why does that matter? D coordinator at Tulsa, Joe Gillespie. Head coach at SMU, Sonny Dykes. Now he's one of the mainstays of this defense, one of the heartbeats of this defense, one of the team's leading tacklers, and he is solid. However, watch for Munkin to try to get 19 on 57. That's the matchup that I want to see in this game if Georgia can make it happen, if TCU lets it happen because that's a mismatch. And there have been times when 57 has found himself in main coverage and down the seams, down the middle of the field, it has been a little bit of a problem. Um, outside of that, I mentioned Jamoy Hodge coming downfield from Mike linebacker. 13 is D winters and he can move, he can fly and he'll be everywhere. So what happens a lot of times with this defense, it's a three, three, five. So you get three down linemen, you get a nose and you get the two ends. The two ends play a little bit tighter. So you'll hear people say, oh, they played against this Mississippi State. Not really. They don't operate this way. Structurally, personnel-wise, may be the same. Number one, Mississippi State, a much heavier defense. Two, State plays a lot more guys at the line of scrimmage. Three, I actually think State's more aggressive with how they move on every snap than TCU is. These TCU linebackers are going to play about seven, six yards off the ball. That is rare. You don't get that a lot as an offensive lineman. So what happens? Your aiming points alter and change. Guys deeper, you might not think on an outside zone play that your aiming point needs to be way over here, so he comes across, and you're going to get the meeting point right there. You might try to go attack him vertically a little bit more, and then he flows across the plate. Or because he's got that extra depth, he's able to come downhill, be a little bit more physical potentially before you're ready. It causes a lot of problems. Some of the other problems that it causes with those linebackers at depth is you have a zero no, so I'm the center. i got a guy head up on me. Well, we run inside zone depending on who my point linebacker is, three, three, five. Usually, my linebacker's in the middle. Well, I'm probably going to bring my strong side guard. So, if we're running to the right, right guard's going to help me and then climb. Well, essentially, what is that doing? That's asking an offensive lineman to go backwards on a play. So, a lot of times you see this slam technique by a lot of offensive lines where they'll kind of come down and give a big shoulder into the nose guard or one of those four-eyed defensive ends, trying to get a quick double and bump them over a gap. And a lot of times the offensive line feel like they won there. So you're coming down, pop, you hit that shoulder. Oh, he's removed a gap. We knocked him over. But what did you do to yourself? You removed yourself from a gap. And it might feel like you're opening up a big running lane, rushing lane for your back. But what you're opening up a lot of times is a run-through lane for one of those linebackers. And they can do it from different angles. So – Who you're blocking is important. How you're blocking them is more important. Because if you come down and slam a nose and that feels great and you're feeling good about yourself, second, third time you do like, oh, yeah, we're going to knock the shit out of this guy now. Bah! You get him. He goes a gap over. Well, you're a gap over. And all of a sudden, that linebacker's got a run-through lane. Have to be careful of that. It's not that misdirection can't work. You go watch what Baylor did. I thought Grimes had an awesome plan. That's where you saw some of the, the uh, pin and pull stuff with the spinning guards who like reversed out and went back the other way. They caught him on that a couple of times. A couple quarterback counters where the quarterback kind of, eh, and then goes. McCarthy had a few of those that were successful for Michigan. So remember that as well. Just another play that could potentially go for Georgia in this game because Stetson Bennett obviously is capable of it. Uh, From a protection standpoint, it all comes down to just identification. The good news for Georgia is they can slide protect. They can go man protect. They're talented enough to do that. They have extra tight ends and backs that can help in protection. So I would anticipate maybe overdoing it in the protection a little bit early in the drop back stuff because they have the bodies to do it. And two, just to kind of feel it out of where does Munkin think Gillespie wants to bring his bodies from? But the run game is going to be critical. Can they find a way to get that going? Because if the run game doesn't go, then TCU can selectively start to subtract where they want to get some help at the second and third level to try to take away from that passing game. Um, So I I, I think that part's going to be big. Can Georgia manage it? Can they handle it? Can they be somewhat dominant against it? And do they open up with it? Because they have not opened up running the football very much lately. Um, You know, Travis Hodges Tomlinson great in coverage. Uh Shadrick Banks 19, he plays out there on the perimeter. These alley defenders for TCU are great. They come flying up to the line of scrimmage and it's literally no regard for their bodies whatsoever. Like they have no they do not care what's going to happen to them physically. Like they'll take on an offensive lineman, they'll take on a back and you know, it's just it's it's a lot different to kind of see how they play it. Now, sometimes uh, fourth linebacker will come into the game to make them more of a three-four look in short yardage, or if they're kind of having some trouble with the run, keep an eye on that. If Georgia can get them into that, then I think you have advantage passing the football. Um, but you know, this is I'm just I'm interested to see how it works out because this is going to be a defense that Georgia hasn't seen, and it is an absolute bear. It's a headache. Um, I did the game with Taylor Luan, uh, Robert Griffin the Third, and A.Q. Shipley. A.Q. Shipley played center in the NFL for a long time. He and I talked about it in the megacast of, man, it's you don't see it. You hate it because you have to bring your point linebacker back sometimes. You're bringing offensive linemen back with you. The way they move around, they can make you wrong by being right a lot of the time. So it's confusing. And I think just managing that it's really good that Georgia has Cedric Van Prawn up front because he's a guy that, when I talked to Stacy Searles about him, he embraces everything that comes with playing center. So this is a massive game for him. You embrace it, know it, know who your point linebacker is, know the identification of the front, know how to even up the defense and get that thing called early. Then you might be able to change plays, get into a better play, and have things go your way from that perspective. So this Georgia offensive line, obviously big, physical, they finish, they come off the ball, but the identification, the understanding of assignments is more important early in this game than can you go out and play bully ball and can you go out and be a group of gladiators and just kick the shit out of everybody. That is not, I think, motivation number one in this game. No who, no when, no where, no why, first and foremost, and then the bludgeoning can happen a little bit later if you find yourself comfortable. I mentioned some of the mismatches with Bowers. I'm literally a guy walking by my house in a TCU hat right now, which I've never seen that in my life. So obviously the hypnotode craze is taking on here in Homewood, Alabama. Uh, mentioned Bowers and some of those matchups. Darnell Washington, I think he goes. Uh, I think this is going to be a pain-tolerance situation. If you go watch how that happened, he kind of got stepped on from behind. A lot of folks thought it was an ankle. I, I, that's, I don't think that's what it was. Um, but I do think him being available is important. It's critical. Look what happened when Michigan lost their best tight end. All of a sudden, things were a little bit different. Didn't go exactly the way that they wanted to from a pass-catching perspective and a run-of-the-ball perspective. You can sit here and say that the Michigan offensive line doesn't deserve a Joe Moore Award or they had a piss-poor performance against TCU. They weren't all clean and all great. But the real deficiencies came from the tight end positions if you really go study that film. If you really watch the film and pay attention to it, before you run your mouth on Twitter, you would know that a lot of the deficiencies came from the perimeter and the tight end positions in that game. So I think Washington is big. Because of all the different things that he does, and a lot of times that offense kind of goes through him. They flex him out, screen game's behind him. What are you going to do? Are you going to match up on an offensive tackle? That's basically what he is. You get him the ball quickly, he's jumping over guys, he's running through guys, high-pointing the football. Who physically on this defense can, can match up with Darnell Washington? Nobody. There's not one. So I think if he can go and be 80, 85% even, they're good. It's a massive help, something that Georgia needs. This wide receiver position a little bit more healthy. Obviously, that was a concern all year with – A.D. Mitchell and company, but now it feels like they're close to being back to where they need to be. Um, I would expect Lad McConkie to have a little bit of a bigger role in this game. And as long as from a protection standpoint, Georgia has an idea of where everything's coming from and who's responsible for it. And don't get lazy early and just rely on slide protection because that's where this thing can come from different areas and they'll overload one side, give you a corner cat off the other side, and all of a sudden you're in trouble and they'll get some clean hits on you. Um, but uh, this is a group that's built to be able to do that. You have a veteran quarterback, a veteran center, both who understand things and can make it work. Um, I love the way the backs are running the ball for Georgia right now, especially McIntosh. He seems to be getting downhill with a little bit more authority. And obviously, they're, I think Georgia has four players with seven or more rushing touchdowns this year. Not many teams can say that. So they have different ways of getting it done on the ground. And that didn't even include Bowers, who can also help on the ground. So the multiple ways that Georgia runs the football. Listen, I've said this for a while. The difficulty in Georgia's offense is not how well Stetson throws it, not how well somebody catches it, not how well somebody throws it or runs it, or not how well somebody gets open or a mismatch that you get. It's the variety in which Munkin gives you. They can go fast if they want to. They have duo inside zone, outside zone, split zone, counter power. They can run a lot of different plays on the ground. They can also add quarterback runs. You wanna go quarterback counter? You wanna go draw? Stetson can do that. Stetson can also leave the pocket and break you down. He gives you scramble dribble, like keeping his eyes open and being able to hit receivers down the field. They have receivers that are matchup problems, a tight end that's two tight ends, really, that are ultimate matchup problems. And then they give you the screen game, traditional screen game to the running backs, middle screens. They give you wide receiver screens, out wide, outside the numbers. They give you screens inside the hash. There's just a lot of different things. this offense They have all the protections available to them as well. And a quarterback that knows how to run it. So the difficulty is not matching up with a guy or two, in my opinion. When you face Georgia, the difficulty is that everything under the sun is something that you're probably going to have to defend. That is where the difficulty comes in, in this game for Gillespie and the TCU defense. All that being said, there's one thing that I think could potentially work against Georgia in this game. I've seen it happen this year but I haven't really seen it work against Georgia this year. There have been times when Stetson Bennett appeared to be a little bit bored or maybe overconfident. Maybe just it didn't matter because it didn't appear like his team was going to lose the game, but middle of the season right there, Vanderbilt, Florida, a couple of those games. There were times that he basically attempted to make throws that weren't there and thought he could fit it into windows that did not exist. If Stetson Bennett goes that route too much in this game, be careful, be careful because this is a team in TCU that has made other folks pay when they give them the football. And that doesn't mean when they get it back offensively. It means right now, like right away, this very instant. So that's something that I'm going to watch from this team to see. Are they going to be able to go out and take it away from Georgia? Is Stetson going to play responsible, conservative? I don't think he has to be completely buttoned up. I don't think he has to be boring, but he just cannot get away from himself and from his from this plan and take too many risks to where it's going to bite George in the ass. All right, TCU's offense is one that I also was a little bit impressed with. Uh, Quentin Johnson, I did not realize what a physical specimen this young man was. And he models his game after Akim Olajan, which I just wanted to get that in because I think that's cool that a 19, 20-year-old playing college football right now when he bodies guys up on 50-50 balls. Models himself after the dream. So, that in itself, I thought was pretty cool. He says his ankle's 100%. Well, it pretty much looked like it against Michigan because he took that little crosser, went to the house, had some big plays down the field. And whether it's Tay Barber, Savion Williams, there are enough receivers for TCU to be problematic. Getting home is going to be critical. Now, when you get home, you have to be responsible because we saw CJ Stroud have success against Georgia that way. I would imagine Sonny Dyke's going to dial up a few more of these. Um, I think he and Garrett Riley are going to say, let's get a couple quarterback draws in. Let's get some design quarterback runs out of non-traditional quarterback run formations to try and slow this rush down. Because where I think Georgia has some advantages in this game that they didn't have in the Ohio State game is over the offensive tackles. I said it last week. I'll say it again. I don't think Ohio State is all world at tackle, but what they are is massive and they're good enough along with that size and a quarterback that knows how to get it out and how to manage the pocket well that you aren't going to get the hump on them very often. So it's a little bit further to run. It's a little bit harder to get around and get to the quarterback and affect the pocket. Inside moves have been successful against these offensive tackles. That's great for the Georgia edge defenders. Now, Georgia's not great on the edge. Like Michael Williams has done some good things, but since Nolan Smith went out, they haven't had a ton of that. It's gettable against this group, and you'll be able to get home there. The problem is you take an inside move too far, all of a sudden contains wide open, quarterback runs out the perimeter, could get massive, and Max Duggan will put it down and go, and he can pick up big chunks of yardage. Just keep your eye on that little game inside of the game as to where that can take place. The other part of this Georgia defense that I've told you guys before that I love is the precision in which they pressure. And that linebacker will hug the ass cheek of a defensive lineman until the very last second possible. And then he shows up in the gap. And if you're not ready before and you don't have an idea pre-snap of what's coming, you can't just hop off and be able to help there. So an understanding this TCU offensive line has to have an understanding of what's coming before it's actually coming. If they're going to stop twists and pressures and stunts because Georgia runs it with big time efficiency And they don't waste guys. When they run a twist, that penetrator that's coming across, his job is to inflict pain on that initial offensive lineman, not go bump him and then try to get to the quarterback. This group takes it as personal as any as I've seen this year. They do an excellent job with it. So you got to know, all right, twist could be coming. I got to go over now, pop this thing over. My tackle has a chance to bounce out and pick up that edge rusher. Those are things that have to happen for the TCU offensive line. I think no Kendra Miller is big. However, Di Mercado was nice last week. He's got a couple of career-high 17 carries. I think career-high 150 yards or season highs in both at least. And he's capable, but I just don't think he's Kendra Miller. He's definitely not as physical as Miller. So that would be a big loss if he's not able to go. Jared Wiley at tight end, super athletic. That's kind of a matchup to keep your eye on. But I think this comes down to Max Duggan. Can they protect him and can he hit the explosive plays? This not this offense leads the nation in plays over 50 yards per game. Georgia has not allowed a rushing touchdown of more than 10 yards this entire season. Only team in the country that can say that. So the explosive plays, creating them, finding them through the air, on the ground, that's it for TCU. TCU is not going to have six or seven, 12 or 13 play drives in this game that score touchdowns, and then they just find a way to win. That ain't going to be it. So can they, go ex- can they go create those explosives and find those explosives? And then on the back end, you know, this is an offense that can hit you with those crossing routes where with what Georgia does from a pattern match and a man perspective, they give up a few of those. And those can also be problematic. And then obviously the things down the field that we've seen Ohio State and LSU have success with, can they get home, but not only get home to Max Duggan, get him on the ground or get hits on him and affect the throws. I think Duggan was juiced up in that game last weekend because there were some throws down the field that he had that went seven yards out of bounds or they were five or six yards short, not his prototypical deep ball self. He's got to be under control, calm and poised, because if you get any chance to hit these against Georgia, you absolutely have to. I think Georgia controls it. I think the line of scrimmage ends up belonging to them. As long as the recognition of this defense is with them, I feel pretty good about saying Georgia goes and gets the win. Duggan's only rushed for 100 yards or more twice this entire season. Um, You think about how these teams are built. I mean, obviously the talent level, 64 four and five stars for Georgia, 22 for TCU. First-year transfers, 18 for TCU, one for Georgia. So obviously these teams built in totally different ways. Um, Bowers, I think, also needs to get going a little bit early. He's got four games this year, or I'm sorry, seven games this year where four receptions or less. Five is about where they need him to be when they're really rolling, get him going early, try to make a couple of things happen. But I want to see Bowers involved in this game plan early on to establish who's matched up with him, where are they, and what are we going to be able to do to slow that down for the rest of the game? Some of the things I wrote down here that I'm looking for, uh, you go back to the Baylor plan. Outside zone was rolling a little bit, but sometimes when you stretch it too far, that gives a chance for the extra bodies to show up. On the gap scheme runs, counter, power, the misdirection stuff helped a lot. They had some end rounds that worked. But the more you you pull it to the sideline – the more efficient the TCU defense is with it. Run any play you want, outside zone, inside zone. You want to run counter, quarterback counter is fine, but you have to be decisive at when to get north and south because the longer you wait to get upfield, the better chance that TCU defense has of being able to stuff you around the line of scrimmage. So I want to see what that run game is, Well, whatever it is, it's got to get upfield in a hurry because that is how you have success on the ground against Joe Gillespie's defense. I'm gonna go Georgia thirty one, twenty eight. I think they find a way to get this game. I think they find a way to win it. I think Kirby gets back-to-back national championships. But I think it's tight. I think it's close. I think TCU does get a couple of explosive plays. Um, I do think that defense causes a little bit of, commu- of communication breakdowns, some commotion, some headaches early for this Georgia offense. Um, and then I think some of those guys, like we mentioned with D. Winters and company, we're going to be able to get through and make plays occasionally. Um, I think Max Duggan will break that defense down at times. If they're not completely disciplined in their rush line, lanes or maybe it's over exaggerated to one side he's going to be able to get out and make a play here and there so i think tcu gets a little bit of theirs they put some points on the board i think stetson bennett knows how to manage things late to be able to hold on to or go get a win and georgia gets a national championship 31 28 as always we're brought to you by wickles pickles this was a national championship game preview. We'll be back next Sunday to go back over it and take a look at everything else in the league from a coaching perspective, portal perspective that has been happening. And we're going to keep rolling every Sunday during the offseason right here on the Cube Show podcast, a college football co- podcast built for you to bring you more insight, more knowledge, and just give you more college football on Sundays throughout the course of the season. And now the non-season or season bowl season. Whatever it is, we're going to be here all postseason. We're going to be back next week.